They are guides, all guides, and in unexpected places. You'll meet their friendly faces, and a ready hand besides. There's not much danger of finding you're a stranger for a commissioner or ranger. They are guides, all guides. Hi, and welcome to Guides Own, the unofficial guiding podcast where we talk about everything guiding. I'm Taryn. And I'm Marissa. In this episode, we take a look at values through the lens of Girl Guides. What does the organization value and what values do we hold as members ourselves? We will also be taking a look at the life of Sherry Lewis. She's a former Girl Scout who took on many entertaining roles for her life, including comedian, puppeteer, and children's show host. And for Campfire, we'll be singing along to one of Sherry's most well-known numbers, the song that never ends. If you've never heard of it before, then you will certainly know it by the end of this episode because it is guaranteed to be stuck in your head. Over and over and over and (laughs) over. Um, It's a great song. I love it. It It's one of those sort of childhood classics that you learn and then never, ever, ever forget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this episode's about Girl Guide values. Um, It was... A very interesting topic to cover because it's sort of open up in the air you can sort of have a different take on it depending on who you are um so i thought i would start just talking about what values are and use some quotes from famous people to help us figure out what they're what we're talking about so um the two big quotes that i saw repeated um throughout my google searching um, were from Elvis Presley and another one from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, so Elvis is, is, values are like fingerprints. Nobody's are the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. Um, I really like that because mm. it sort of talks about how there are lots of values and we can have shared values, but a lot of the time each one of us has sort of a different set and a different priority of values so, like, you might prioritize um, environmental stewardship over something like compassion, compassion. I don't know. It totally depends on who you are and what, what you determine to be of higher worth. Um, Mahatma Gandhi has another thought on what values are. He says, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become values. Your values become your destiny. And that's sort of an abridged version of the full quote. The full quote sort of has a little bit more to it um, for each line, but this is the basics of it. Um, And it sort of talks about like how values come to be in everyone. So Mm -hmm. values are sort of about a culmination of all those things that you do. So your beliefs, your thoughts, your words, your actions, um, and your habits sort of demonstrate what you value. Um, so another good way to think of values. Um, and then I thought I'd pull out a definition just to help us sort of finally think of them. Um, this one's from the Oxford English Dictionary, um, which says that principles or standards of behavior. So one's judgment of what is important in life. Um, that last little bit is basically what I think of as values. Mm-hmm. Um, they're your own judgment of what you think is most important in life. So like I said before, like maybe environmental stewardship is a really important thing in your life. You put it very high up on your list of things and in your list of values. Yeah. Um, you also might be someone who is really compassionate. You think compassion is a really big deal and you show it through your actions, your beliefs, your thoughts, and it's up there. Um, Those are sort of your set of values. Um, So in terms of girl guides, we sort of, as an organization, we sort of have a collective set of values. Um, And again, you can, as an individual member, you can sort of decide for yourself what you put in order of importance, Mm -hmm. but we sort of all have the same sort of thing. And although not stated like directly, it's not like written out as these are girl guide values. um, You can just see them through the promise and the law. So things like what we've talked about before in previous episode, um, talking about promising to do your best. um, uh, 
uh, being true to yourself, so being truthful um, and being true to your beliefs in your country, so upholding your your beliefs and your your country's values, mm-hmm. um, taking action for a better world. So that's sort of the environmental sort of side of things, or even just being like a global citizen. So thinking of others, um, putting your efforts, your whatever it is, um, monetary wise or action wise, putting your efforts towards um, global citizenship um, and respecting the guiding law, which the guiding law has then multiple different values within it as well. So I thought the law was really easy to pick out values. Um, So again, like I said, trustworthiness, um, um, honesty, um, using resources wisely, respecting yourself and others, um, protecting our common environment, um, living with courage and with strength, and um, sharing in the sisterhood of guiding. So sharing in the knowledge of guiding, sharing in the excitement of guiding, you know, everything about guiding, sharing that. So those are sort of what I would think about as girl guiding values, and there's lots yeah. of them. and you could have a different take on them depending on which country you live in. Um, so it's, it's very open ended and yeah, like I said, everyone could have their own idea um, and own priority in what they put as first. So, mm-hmm. you know, someone like in so one girl could have values that, you know, they're, all about using the resources wisely and protecting the world. Well, another girl could maybe value more the honesty and the trustworthiness and living with courage and strength. And like, you know, everyone has something different. Yeah. Um, but I think it always comes back to kind of the same group of values that, you know, Yeah. if you're in guiding, you tend to be, or I like to think that you tend to be a good person and, you know, respecting <laughs> yourself and others um, protecting our common environment, like living with courage and strength. Like those are all values that good people have. Yeah. I think when people think of girl guides or girl scouts um, and even boy scouts too, we all sort of have that same connotation or stereotype that is brought to people's minds when you hear of that. And that is like the whole, you know, being a good citizen of Mm -hmm. your world, of your country um, and, and, you know, being kind to the environment, being kind to other people. Being socially conscious. Yeah, exactly. So there's, you know, those are like the standard, the stereotypical ones that people often think of. And I think it just right comes back to, yeah, what we value and it just comes through in our actions and what we say and what we do. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very true. And the other source that I went to was the World Association of Girl Guides and Girl Scouts, um, just because I thought they're sort of the founding basis of the world organization. So yeah. everyone draws from them in terms of what the standard is. Um, so even though we're not all the same in terms of country organizations, we sort of have that same basis of understanding of what Girl Guides is and what what the motto is. Like the motto is pretty much the same worldwide. It's prepared and our promise and laws are very, very similar, though they change again, like I said, depending mm-hmm. on where you're from. Um, but yeah, I took a look at their site and tried to see if they had any statement about values. Um, but again, it was sort of ambiguous. Um, basically just as an organization, they, um, are a governing body of girl guides and girl scouts everywhere. And WAGS is who they, all the organizations look to when they're establishing things like values. Um, so WAGS is also very diverse. Um, that's something that they value. Um, and they are very much about diversity and they're very much about supporting girls everywhere mm-hmm. around the world um, because they represent so many people. Um, and from 10 million girls and women from 150 countries, so that's a lot of people to support. And yeah. um, so they've got a lot to think about. Um, the ones that I sort of pulled out on my own after reading through different statements they had on their sites and through the words and their actions, um, 
like I said, they're very much about empowering girls and women. Um, they're about giving girls and women's those value-based training in life schools. So like leadership and citizenship, mm-hmm. things that they can take anywhere in life, no matter who they are, where they're going. They also very much value awareness and education of social challenges. So things like environmentalism, things like nutrition, um, and empowering girls, no matter where they are, especially um, in the more developing countries. They're also about advocacy and leadership um, because they host so many of those leadership events at the World Centers throughout the years. Um, And they also, you can sort of see their values come out in the activities and the programs that they have listed on their Mm -hmm. website. And again, it's the same sort of basis, the, you know, the healthy living, um, the social, whatever social challenges are out there in the world at the moment. So political or something to do with, I know they had a recent one to do with violence against women. So that's a big thing that they bring up too. Yeah, I remember... Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I remember <laughs> that they did a lot with the Millennium Development Goals, um, especially the ones that focused on the environment and women and children. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they're sort of, they've got different projects going on in different areas, but basically they all have the same sort of basis, the same underpinning of, you know, supporting girls, empowering girls and women. Um, you know, healthy body, mind, spirit, basically, overall. They don't necessarily state that specifically, but that's sort of what you can guess when you take a look overall at the organization Mm -hmm. and what they're being involved in, what's in the news. Um, So, yeah. Um, Some of the things that caught my eye as well was these statements that they want to um, talk about in terms of their branding. So WAGS as an organization itself sort of tries to brand themselves as being um, energetic, authentic, and eye-catching in terms of their look. Um, In terms of how they speak, they want to use language that is punchy and expresses a very clear point of view. Um, And then how they act, they say we act in a way that is open-hearted, confident, and fun. Um, So that, again, sort of gives you an idea of who WAGS is, and then through that you can figure out what the values are. Um, some of the big uh, programs and challenges that sort of reflect all of this, of course, they have a 16 days of activism against gender-based violence. They have a climate change challenge, um, and they have a what's called the Yunga Challenge, Y-U-N-G-A, um, which includes badges that are aimed to raise awareness, educate, and motivate girls and women to change their behaviors and become an active agent of change in general. Um, And within it, there's like a lot of different categories, but they all sort of feed into the same thing, which is like about environments. So they've got badges on biodiversity, food security, climate change, ending hunger, um, nutrition, forests, the oceans, soils and water. So that, you know, it's very clearly about the environment, about the world we live in. Um, And then they also have a challenge called Surf Smart, which is about internet safety. So that is um, a big thing that they have put a lot of effort into. Um, The other place that I thought really spoke about values in terms of the world organization and I guess all girls guides and girl guides is their partnerships. So they have different partnerships that can be categorized. Um, They have organization partnerships. So they have a partnership with the UN Women, um, with the World Organization of the Scout Movement. So they're tied closely to the Boy Scouts. And they're also partnered with the Olive Baden-Powell Society. Um, No surprise there. Um, And then they also have corporate partnerships. So these are corporations that have, you know, been working with them for a number of years and they, do so because they have values that align with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, the first one that I thought of was Dove. Um, it's the one that I've heard the most of. And together, they both value the whole sense of body confidence, 
empowering women in their and to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so they work together on that. And there's the Dove Real Beauty campaign that um, the girl got uh, Wags is um, a part of and promotes as a challenge that you can do. They have different activities you can look at, um, different videos you can watch. That's really cool. I didn't realize that was a um, Wags initiative. I thought it was you, a Girl Guides of Canada initiative. I think they might be partnered both, but I know Dove is listed on the Wags website, um, cool. which is really cool that they're, you know, worldwide sort of partnership. Um, the one that surprised me was UPS, um, which is the Postal Service, the United Postal Service. Um, so they are about supporting Girl Guides and Girl Scouts around the world. And they're sort of focused on building membership and capacity in all of the member organizations and enabling girls and young women to make their voices heard at international events like the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women, the and the Conference of Parties to the UNFCCC. Um, so they're about sort of moving people and bringing people together to converge at these conferences or at these big meetings where people are looking for girls' voices and looking for voices like Girl Guides and Girl Scouts to speak up. Um, super cool. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and they're also sort of focusing on, through their partnership, diversity, inclusion, and leadership development. So again, sort of bringing these people together. Um, they actually work with 10 different member organizations within WEGS. Um, so they work with Mexico, Nigeria, the Netherlands, the UK, Egypt, Egypt, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Oman, and Palestine. So tons of different countries, all very mm-hmm. different coming together. So those are the girl guiding or girl scouting organizations that they work with specifically from WAGS. That's cool. Um, a couple other ones. There's um, Semantic, which is sort of their internet safety sort of corporation that they partner with. Um, I think that's where they got a lot of their information um, for the Surf Smart Challenge. So they're a world leader in internet safety, and they're all about keeping young people safe online. So sort of the internet safety security for young girls and um, young women who, you know, can be quite vulnerable online if they don't know the ups and the you know the tips and tricks of keeping safe online. Um, another one that's sort of similar is um, Nvidia, and they are a pioneer of GPU accelerated computing. Um, computing, sorry. Um, so they are about empowering young women, specifically in India. So that's a really cool partnership to have. Um, and then the last big one is Nutrition International. So they're working together with WEX to ensure that every girl can access good nutrition. Um, they recently had over the past several months have been looking at a nutrition challenge. Um, if you go to the WAGS Instagram page or even their Twitter, you can see this challenge that they've put out to girls, um, all of their followers, and they'll share like their food plate. So what does your, you know, average plate of food look like for what you're eating and how are you trying to keep healthy, you know, looking at all these different aspects of healthy living, you know, not just like exercise, um, but in combination exercise and food and even like your mental, you know, health as well. So those are sort of really cool partnerships that you can see that in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So that's basically what I could find in terms of what the organizations have in values. But like I said at the beginning, it depends on the person. And so each one of us, when we think of girl guide values, um, we have something different um, in terms of what our values are top of our list um, or what we think of when we think of girl guides. So when I look back on my girl membership and what I think of right now, what I take from girl guides in terms of values are female empowerment. Um, It's a big deal to me. I think that's something that girls really need. They need to feel empowered. Um, I felt like I needed to be empowered too to 
try things that I never thought I would ever want to try. Mm-hmm. So things like using power tools, like I always just thought like, nah, it's just not something I'm comfortable with. You know, I just, yeah. it's not something I considered of being a value until I tried it. And then I thought, yeah, you know what, actually this is a valuable skill to have and something that's going to empower more girls maybe to try out those types of jobs when they get to that age where they can start exploring career paths. So yeah, empowering women in every aspect is a big deal to me. Um, I also really value the global and local citizenship um, Mm -hmm. aspect of Girl Guides. So learning about the world, learning about the sisterhood of guiding throughout the world. So what are girls in other countries doing and why does that matter to us? Um, and also on a local scale too, right? Like being involved in your community and why that's important to be involved and why it's important to do things like vote, why it's yeah. important to help raise awareness on big issues um, in your community and speaking up about them. So those are big, big things that meant a lot to me. Um, leadership, of course, um, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I never thought I would be a leader. Um, mm-hmm. When I was a girl, I thought that's just not me. I just never felt comfortable leading until I, I guess I just <laughs> exposure therapy, basically. I was yeah. just pushed so many times to lead meetings or like lead an activity that finally it just sort of sunk in. And I was like, okay, it's not so bad. And um, so now like giving girls that opportunity and also pushing them to try it um, is a big deal. Um, I think it can greatly influence your confidence. Um, I think that was one of the reasons I didn't want to be a leader. I was like, I'm just not confident enough to feel like I could lead any, anyone in anything or teach anybody about anything. I just never felt like I had that knowledge or that ability to do so until somebody tell, told me, you know, you can do it and you did a good job doing something. So leadership is a, is a big thing. Uh, Life skills in general, just learning about how to manage your finances, learning about how to manage a fundraising campaign for whatever it is. You know, that's a, that's a big thing too, right? Because say you're, you've got a job and in your job, your company is looking to do this fundraising campaign for the month. And you're like, I always hear about Lifeway or um, like say you're supporting breast cancer or supporting, anything like that it's if you know how to fundraise and can help fundraise with your company and lead a campaign like that that's so valuable Mm -hmm. um just to know like how to set a goal and how to reach people and how to get them to donate it's uh it's a big skill to have Um, even just being able to like be financially literate in your personal life you know yeah (laughs) all those things things setting goals and being able to achieve those financial goals yeah. Um, and then also is um, one big one is compassion for me. I think it's easy to learn about what's going on in the world. It's easy to hear the stories and see the headlines, but it's harder to really truly understand what those people are going through. So mm-hmm. things like the forest fires happening right now all along the basically the North American West Coast. Um, it's the same as like what happened in Australia. Um, it's yeah. maybe not on this quite the same scale yet, but you know, all those people having to leave their homes. Um, it's, it's hard knowing that like we don't live necessarily in an area right now that is susceptible to forest fires, but like trying to put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. or like what we've learned, not putting yourself in their shoes, but just trying to figure out, what's going on based on what they're telling you, listening to their stories and listening to what needs to happen to make change is, you know, it's all, that's how you, that's how you become um, compassionate and trying to teach that to girls too. Um, Trying to help them understand what compassion is and yeah, you know what's going on, but, but can you help them to understand why it's important and why we're helping them, why we're sending supplies or why we're raising money to, to help them buy things that'll help them get through, you know, the next month. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely feel the same way for a lot of those things, especially um, the compassion. I remember going to Mexico and India, like being out in the community outside like Mexico City, outside Dubai, where you see how most of the citizens of that country live um, and just being like understanding on a whole other level um, about why, you know, the CWFF is so important. Why, you know, whenever we go somewhere, we make sure we collect as many hotel shampoos or whatever we can. It's, you know, we want to make sure everyone also has the same resources that you have to make sure, you know, that they can learn or they can be clean and comfortable uh, and understanding that, you know, not everyone you know, is lucky enough to be in that position and making sure that, you know, the girls understand in a age-appropriate way that they can then, you know, take and grow and learn. Um, mm-hmm. Another big thing, I'm not sure how to word it as a value, but, like, always learning, like, the lifelong student, mm. um, never being scared of a new challenge or... Um, never being like always being willing to try something new even if it's outside of your comfort zone definitely yeah. something I, I learned open, open-mindedness is sort of captures that a little bit maybe being open-minded yeah. about other people's opinions first of all respecting other people's opinions and being open to their ideas but also being open to new things in mm-hmm. general so trying new foods trying new skills trying new ideas out in your head about you yeah. know because you're raised right these girls everyone's raised by their parents guardians you know whoever whatever adult is looking after you and raising you you've you're gonna have a certain mindset because that's what your parents raised you as right and that's mm-hmm. just gonna happen it's normal um so girl guides is a way to expose them to different sets of ideas and different sets of values so yeah you know you're the people in your household might value something completely different than what another family values. So first of all, just being exposed to other girls your age and being exposed to a whole new world of what guiding has to offer Mm -hmm. is, you know, exactly what you're talking about being open to learning new things. And the lifelong learning thing is a big one for me too. I didn't write it down, but yeah, like lifelong learning is something, first of all, that I enjoy. I never thought I would say that, but, um, when it's on your own terms, it's learning very is different. enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Very different. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think without guiding, I would have signed up to take a third post-secondary course, like, <laughs> program. Um, no. But, like, being open to challenge myself and trying new things. Like, starting this podcast, it was definitely outside both of our yeah. comfort zones. But, you know, we saw something, we saw value in it, we wanted to try, and it's been a super fun journey, learning and trying and doing new things. Absolutely. I think the value, one of the big values for me in this podcast is the ability to share my knowledge with other people, Mm -hmm. share my background, my experiences, so that other people can hear them and think like, okay, either I've experienced that same thing and now I feel like... Validated. my experiences are validated <laughs> or coming as someone who hasn't experienced what I've experienced and saying like, Oh, look at that person's perspective. Okay. Like I've never heard that before. I'll, you know, keep that in mind when I'm thinking of something, um, yeah. when I'm experiencing the next girl guide meeting and I have something like that come up and now I have an idea of, you know, maybe I can take this approach. So mm-hmm. that's a big value for me. Definitely. Um, and one place I know I learned a lot of values is from my favorite sock puppet ever, <laughs> Lamb Chop, and Lamb Chop's co-host, <laughs> creator, I'm not sure, I'll get into it, uh, Sherry Lewis. Nancy Reagan, Helen Hayes, Jan Davis, John Sauvé, Carrie Fisher, William's sister, Shirley Temple Black. 
Tammy Duckworth, Kathy Frost, Candace Bergen, Lucille Ball, Demi Reynolds, Princess Margaret, Hillary Clinton. Did you know she was a girl guide? Busting down the door a hundred years or more. Did you know she was a girl guide? Here to let you know she was a guide, you know. Did you know she was a girl guide? So, Sherry Lewis was a like Marissa said at the start of the show, um, a comedian, a puppeteer, and a children's show host. Um, and when she was born in 1933 as Phyllis, um, when she was in the Bronx, um, her parents encouraged her and her sister um, to perform and you know, get in front of crowds and be creative. Um, it definitely helped that her father was the New York City official musician, which is a whole other story that I didn't have time to look into, but I want to know so much more about. Um, but she was picked it up really quickly. Um, and by the age of 13, she was performing specialized magic tricks that he had taught her. Um, while she was a kid, she also learned acrobatics, juggling, skating, skating, baton twirling, piano, and violin. She excelled at ballet and for a time danced at the School of American Ballet, which is the ballet school associated with the New York City Ballet. Um, so very much into performing and show business as a kid, um, and as we'll find out, never really changed. Um, she did attend Bernard College, but only for a year when she decided it wasn't for her and she wanted to make a go for it in show business. She made her first TV appearance in 1952 when she was 19 um, and won first place in a CBS series called Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts, which seems to be a old school version of America's Got Talent. Um, and then because she won, she very quickly be was able to turn that around and make it into a hosting gig. And she started hosting a show called Facts and Fun, which is a variety show where she engaged her viewers in games, songs, stories, craft making informational segments and interviews with guest performers um, but the show only lasted three months and then she left NBC in 53 so she's wasted no time from her first tv appearance um she moved to the um cw affiliate in new york city to host cartoon club another variety show um on the airwaves where she started introducing puppets to her act with Randy Rocket and Taffy Twinkle. Um, the show changed its name a couple years later in September of 56 to Sherry and her friends. And then like a month later, Sherry Land that October. Um, yeah, I don't know why you would rebrand the show like four weeks after the fact, but they did. <laughs> um, and she won one of her first Emmys for uh, Sherry Land. Um, when Sherry and Sherry Land officially ended, she went on to a new show called Hi Mom, where she first introduced Charlie Horse and Hush Puppy, who are familiar names to anyone who's watched Lamb Chop Play Along. Um, after Hi Mom, she went back to NBC in 1960, where the Sherry Lewis show uh, was aired, which ran for three years. And that was her first, you know, at least the first big show I think of when I think of Sherry Lewis. Um, and that's where Lamb Chop um, came and met up with Charlie Horse and Hush Puppy, and they were all regular features on the Sherry Lewis show. And then she kind of takes a break from um, American airwaves 
and heads over to the UK for about 25 years and does a whole other career in England. Um, and then um, came back to American Airwaves in 1992 with Lamb Chop's Play Along, um, which aired on PBS from 92 to 95. Um, and that's where the anti-couch potato genre of children's shows started, where the shows encouraged the kids to get up and dance and play along with them. So they aren't just sitting um, watching TV. Mm -hmm. um, during this time, um, it was during the Congress hearings to protect children's TV in 1993, where Lamb Chop was given permission to speak. And Lamb Chop's testimony is inputted in the Library of Congress as a separate testimony from Sherry Lewis, um, kind of mm -hmm. highlighting the importance of Lamb Chop and who Lamb Chop is. Um, when Lamb Chop, Lamb Chop's play along um, ended in, or came off syndication in the late 90s, Charlie Horse got his own or TV show called Charlie Horse Music Pizza. Um, and the Charlie Horse Music Pizza show came along um, during huge cuts to um, or to school music and arts programs. And Lewis wanted to make sure that the kids were introduced to music um, any way that, you know, she could get them introduced. Uh, the last episode of Charlie Horse aired on January 17th, 1999, which happened to be six months after she died from complications due to uterine cancer and what would have been her 66th birthday. Um, she fought with two different cancers throughout her life. Um, she had breast cancer in the 80s um, and then came back strong. Um, and, you know, years later came or was diagnosed with uterine cancer, but didn't let it stop her. Um, she, when she was given the diagnosis, uh, they, they did surgery, they did their best. Um, she eventually was given six weeks to live. She decided to hold off chemotherapy for a couple days to um, film the last episode of Charlie Horse um, before she went to undo her chemotherapy. So definitely these puppets and these shows were a highlight of her life. Um, she wrote over 60 children's books. Um, definitely busy no matter what she was doing. Um, because apparently Star Trek is a common theme on our Grill Guide podcast. Um, she wrote a original series episode of Star Trek, um, which gave me a big laugh and went down a whole other rabbit hole last night or the other night researching this. Um, she co-wrote it with her husband. Um, and it is an original series episode. It was season three, episode 18. So one of the last original series episodes. It's called The Lights of Zatar and is a classic Star Trek episode. Um, she wrote it with her second husband where they met, or long after they met, working um, on a radio show in Britain. Um, and they were married in 1958 and had their daughter in June 1963. And I forgot to write down his name. Um, but, you know, also very influential. Um, so Mallory, her daughter, um, has continued the, her mom's mantle um, she changed her name to Mar Mallory Lewis um, and continues to hang out with Lamb Chop today. Um, Mallory wrote on Lamb Chop's play along and 
the Charlie Horse Music Pizza. Um, so it just made sense that she continued the mantle. Um, so some other facts about Lamb Chop Play Along. Um, it was filmed in Barnaby, BC, and then the CBC studios in Vancouver. Even though um, Lewis was always based in the States and it was a PBS show. Um, and their philosophy was um, participation, not just passive observance. Um, our goal is don't just sit there, come and play with me. Which if you watch any lamb chop, even as an adult, you just don't want to sit around. You want to bop around to all the fun and the tunes and the music. Um, lamb chop is still alive and well today and is touring with Mallory and Mallory's son. So Aww. with an interview from um, by Huffman Huff Post with Mallory, um, some facts about Lamb Chop. So Lamb Chop is six. She is forever six, but she lies about her age, just like everyone else in Hollywood. But Lamb Chop is a feisty little six-year-old um, we all know six-year-olds who are super sassy and clever and smart, uh, and you just look at them and, and like, amazement at what comes out of their mouths, and Lamb Chop is right up, like, the exact same way. Um, Mallory started working with Lamb Chop about a year after Sherry's death, while Mallory was going all over the place, accepting many posthumous awards for her mom. Um, and one time, Lamb Chop popped up and said, Sherry would be so proud, and everyone loved it, and they just kept going. Uh, Lamb Chop has a room ready for her when she eventually retires at the Smithsonian, because she is a classic and so important to, to so many Americans and Canadians. But the museum's only for retired puppets, so... Um, it's going to be a while before she moves in. Um, it's ready when she's there. For now, Lamb Chop lives with Mallory and her son. Lamb Chop is also one of the highest ranks of the U.S. military, with the rank of a three-star general for service performing for the troops around the world, which is one of her favorite things to do. Um, so Lamb Chop huh. very much has her own personality. Um, throughout the interview um, with HuffPo, um, it's very clear that um, Mallory still thinks of Lamb Chop as like a whole other personality um, and has said that, you know, if her son wants to continue touring with Lamb Chop when he grows up, um, it's totally fine with her. It's whatever he wants to do. Um, yeah, um, Lamb Chop will never die, at least not in my heart. Lamb Chop's amazing. Huh. Um, I remember as a kid, um, I would comment about how Lamb Chop was one of my favorite, like, everyone my age, we all loved Lamb Chop. We all rushed home to watch it after school. Um, but I also loved the food Lamb Chops. Um, one of my favorite foods to this day. <laughs> and all my classmates uh, were so scandalized that I loved both Lamb Chop the puppet and Lamb Chops the food. And how could I love one or how could I love both when Lamb Chop was so important to us as a generation? <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was, I don't know. Above it as a six-year-old, yeah, yeah, um, and realized that one was a sock puppet and one was delicious. <laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty like uh, mature for someone that young, right? Because a lot of kids are like, don't see the connection, are very much it's a disconnected concept that food and your favorite animal you know, could be the same thing. You could be eating yeah. it, but yeah. So I don't pretty mature thing. I have no clue where <laughs> I learned it. 
I just know I love both. Probably helps that, like, we had lamb chops regularly as a child. Um, so I learned, I probably questioned it a bunch the first time I had lamb chops and put two and two together. Yeah, it does help that they're named pretty much the same thing, like Lamb Chop, the puppet or character, is, mm-hmm. you know, the same word as Lamb Chop for a dinner or yeah. for any meal, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, uh, they have a connection that way. Yeah. <laughs> but Lamb Chop's I think definitely... it's cool that Sorry, go ahead. you noted that um, how children's shows were trying to be more participato- participatory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get children to be active because although I didn't ever, I don't think I ever saw an episode of Lamb Chop, I do remember what um, the TV shows that I did watch as a kid. Um, I watched um, TVO Kids mm-hmm. as a kid growing up because we did not have cable. So the only local station we got was TVO Kids. Um, and I remember, especially the like the younger children's programming, so like kindergarten age sort of stuff, and even preschool stuff. Um, the shows that were on, you know, mid morning um, to mid afternoon, um, when kindergartners would be home. Um, yeah. You, the shows were geared towards getting you active. So I remember um, this one host. Uh, her name was Giselle, and she would. There was this one segment she would do every day, and it was called. I forgot what it was called, but she talked about putting on your motion lotion and you would like get ready to like do some action. And I just loved it. I loved her. And um, another show I always think about is um, the Big Comfy Couch. Yeah. I used to always lay on the floor and do the um, clock like exercise that Molly would do. I would always yeah. follow along. So yeah, I remember kids shows, especially that the younger age groups, at least the ones that you, the kids are easier to convince to get them mm-hmm. moving. Um, that generation, yeah, it was all about moving while you were watching TV. Yeah. Um, Lewis said at one point she wanted to attack the short attention span of today's children with a fast-paced show using colorful electronic effects. So mm. keep them engaged. Yeah. Keep them active. Um, I can definitely agree with that. There was a lot of, you know, action going on in kids' shows and a lot of color, <laughs> like, to get them, you know, interested and intrigued and yeah. Definitely. She probably did a pretty good job. I haven't seen any of it, but I'm I would think a lot of the things that she did with Lamb Chop got other TV shows to think about that too. Yeah. Um and it was like I was surprised it only had four seasons. It lasted a little bit longer in syndication, but it was only airing new episodes between January 1992 and September 1995. Um, Yeah. But I vividly remember watching Lamb Chop shows and singing along to the intro and to the end and driving all the adults in my life crazy with the song that never ends. Um, And yeah, like Lamb Chop very much is still like a real character today to me and it pro- like just as real as so many other kids characters like you know you know people say the same thing about Arthur and mm. um Mr. Dress Up and Mr. Rogers and maybe yeah. not so many but also very holds a very dear place in my heart the friendly giant yeah, um, big friendly giant. Oh, love that. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I love that Lamb Chop is still touring today and still being her spunky self um, <laughs> and, you know, making sure that she gives back in her own way how, like, her favorite thing to do is to do um, performances for American troops around the world. Um, mm. Make that them smile. Yeah. Even though Lamb Chop is definitely not for military aged adults. Um, <laughs> like Mallory said, Lamb Chop is six. She will always be six. Um, but is such a fun and playful person, puppet, character. Um, that the um, 
service members just love having her come and hang out for an evening. Yeah, that's cool. I know that I'm so surprised to hear that, that she, and also she's like the highest, has a high ranking in the military. Yeah, so she's the second highest rank. Yeah, the second highest rank you can have in the military. It's it's really silly. I can't say I've ever heard of that for any other TV show character, children's TV show character. So yeah, that's it's a very unique um, part of Lamb Chop's life. Yeah, it also makes Lamb Chop one of the highest ranking females in the U.S. military, since there are no <laughs> female four-star generals, which yeah. I'm sure Lamb Chop yeah. is very proud of. Yeah, she should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I guess that brings us to um, our campfire, which is also one of Lame Drop's favorite songs, the song that never ends. This is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. That's enough, guys. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song that doesn't end. How do I turn you off? Yeah, so the song that never ends uh, is, of course, also known originally as the song that doesn't end. Um, if you have not heard of it, I don't know where you've been. You must be living under a rock because even if you haven't watched Lamb Chop, you will have heard of it. I learned it when I was a young girl, I think through school friends or something. Um, I think I actually heard it originally on in a commercial, which I will bring up later. Um, and that's maybe where all of us learned it, um, in, at least in um, the kids that I went to school with. Um, so yeah, it's basically, it is a single verse long song that is written in an infinite loop motif sort of style. So it just naturally flows in a very cyclical fact, uh, fashion. So it repeats the same verse over and over. And basically when you get to the end of the verse, you automatically start the beginning of the verse and you just keep going and going and going, um, until someone tells you to be quiet. Um, so it's very a uh, very popular tune, this one in particular, um, and is typically sung during like long car rides or bus trips, um, or even just like in the schoolyard or with friends. Um, even though technically um, there isn't like one particular documented writer, um, according to the Lamb Chops Play Along Sing Along album, um, on Wikipedia, it says that it was written by Broadway composer Norman Martin, um, but it doesn't have a citation along with it. And because we all know Wikipedia is crowdsourced, as in anyone can go in and write in, in a Wikipedia article, we don't know for sure. Um, a lot of people tend to agree that they first heard it on Lamb Chop's Play Along, um, which like we said earlier, aired for five years on PBS in the early 90s um, and then was syndicated. So, you know, it was very popular. Um, so that's likely how it got spread really quickly between kids. Um, it was used as the closing theme at the end of each episode. Um, and that was a point at which the puppets all sang along to the verses of the song while the host, Sherry Lewis, would try 
to stop them. Um, but she was, you know, doing so in vain. They would not listen. They just kept going and going as the credits rolled. Um, and like I said, it uh, is appears on that album, um, Lamb Chop's Sing Along, Play Along. I'm sure you could probably find it on Spotify um, if it's up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's really not necessarily one person credited. You could probably say Norman Martin. Um, I'm sure people throw out Sherry Lewis's name as well um, as you know, the credit to give. Um, There's also, it says in the Wikipedia that the Discordian organization um, known as POEE has listed the song in their material with claims that it was written by one of their members. Who knows? Um, Basically, all I know is that, like I said, it was played in Lamb Chop and it was also featured in a series of Canadian Motrin painkiller advertisements that featured kids singing it in as the song in the car um, during a traffic jam while they were eating chocolate covered coffee beans. Uh, I know I heard it on that commercial and it was, yeah, that children's Motrin idea sort of sounds familiar. So I'm pretty sure that's probably where I heard it as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's sort of one of those things where your kids are going crazy and, you know, got to take a Motrin or something mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to sort of cure your headache while your kids are screaming in the back of the car. I think that's yeah. basically what that advertisement was all about. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, never-ending song. Um, often will come up in sort of during camp, not always at campfire, but I know at camp, summer camps, like kids will learn it and just sing it to drive people crazy and because it's fun. And there's um, there's um, a few songs out there that are like that, that are like infinite loop songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember when I was pretty young, I want to say it's probably like between the ages of like seven to nine, when I also heard the song um, Jacob Jingleheimer Smith. Um, yes. That one specifically, I remember being featured in Barney, um, and I heard it through there, and then I heard other kids singing it, and that's also another Infinite Loop song. Um, so there's several out there that kids can use to annoy their parents. Um, so that's one of them, and uh, it just is a great song, um, and will get stuck in your head. I, as soon as I was looking for a version for this episode to include. Um, it got stuck in my head. <laughs> I was just trying to find it. Um, and I ended up just finding, I want to find the original by Sherry Lewis in the, that they use at the credits. Um, so that is the one I heard. And that is the one that keeps going on and on in my head. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, it has like a little bit of a difference between what I learned as a kid um, in terms of like, I think just the melody is slightly different. Um, but all in all, it's pretty much the same song. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a fun song. I love it. Um, <laughs> I remember singing it all the time, driving parents, babysitters, friends, parents, aunts, uncles, like everybody, like every adult in my life hated it. Um I don't think it helped that me and all my classmates like made a point of being home to watch Lamp Drop because we all loved it so much. Um, okay. Yeah, it's like it was our generation's like Paw Patrol. Like it was mm. everywhere. Uh, yeah. Um, I guess that brings us to the end of another episode where we won't just sing one song over and over and over again until you just turn off the episode. Um, But we ask that you uh, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, wherever you find us. Um, Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review. Let us know that you're listening and enjoying. Um, also, make sure to follow us on social media at GuideZone on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to keep up to date with episodes for podcast news and behind-the-scenes bits. Absolutely. 
Um, and I will note, just because I noticed it this week, um, on Facebook, you can give us reviews too. So if you're on Facebook, Ooh. you want to give us a review, you can put it there too. So yeah, Facebook has um, a rating little section. So that would be excellent if you gave us a review there because then mm -hmm. it'll pop up on friends news feeds and maybe might make us uh, pop up in other people's feeds. Um, yeah. So yeah, as we part this week, we wish you all, our listeners, good guiding. Good guiding. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lake, from the hills, from the sky, all is well, safely rest, peace is nigh.